Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Muriwa Gawaza, and for today, we do get into a conversation. It is a Friday, which means we get to look at the state of the economy. And for today, we are looking at some data that's just come out of uh, Ultron Fintech, and uh, it is their Q3 Household Resilience Index. And we're going to be getting into what does that mean? There has been a little bit of positivity when it comes to employment, uh, but also at the same time, there's uh, a little bit of worry uh, when it comes to household credit extension. So we're just going to be having that conversation with Dr. Uh, Roloff uh, Bota, who is um, an uh, economist and economic advisor to the Optimum Investment Group. And he was actually commissioned um, and is one of the people that helped to create this particular index together with the Ultron Fintech. Uh, Dr. Botha, how are you today? Finding yourself. Um, I think maybe a good place for us to start uh, before we get into the the index itself and you know perhaps some of the insights is maybe getting a sense of what exactly we mean. Uh, we've been following the index, the two indices uh, that Outron Fintech has come up with since their inception. Uh, but for someone uh, who hasn't uh, been following or who is encountering this particular index for the first time, maybe you could give us a little bit of insight into the household resilience index yes certainly the the other index that you um, refer to very briefly is more specific uh, in terms of the unsecured debt market um, which a um, uh, an associate of mine Keith Lockwood uh, prepares and, and researches for Alton Fintech. this one is more macro orientated um, it deals with uh, data on the financial disposition of households in general, uh, and a topic that Altron Fintech is, is very keen on to know what's happening there because they supply software and hardware to the regulated um, um, microfinance industry. There's a huge difference. I, I, I must just tell the listeners, don't confuse the regulated microfinance sector with loan shocks. It's two totally, totally different sectors of the economy. One is regulated, it's legal, uh, and it, it's well managed, and it's actually over-regulated as far as I'm concerned, um, because it, it, we, we still have probably about uh, in the vicinity of 15% of South Africans that are unbanked. And the only way actually to bring them into the banking sector would be to actually expand the, the official regulated microfinance industry, because the big banks are not going to give Alone to somebody that has a part-time job. Um, in any event, so Alton wants to know. They've got a keen interest in in, in the data on all households in a position if they borrow money from whoever to actually have a realistic perspective on being able to to pay back that loan and, and service the debt. So that's where we came up with the this idea, and we've included twenty different indicators, all of whom have a bearing on either households. Income, potential, uh, directly and indirectly. So uh, we've got, I think, three assets, if I remember correctly, three asset categories uh, included. Uh, uh, just to give you an example, if you have an investment in, in, in the equity market and you get dividends, um, then obviously that improves your financial disposition. 
if you have a property and, and you rent out a room or whatever the case may be, that provides you with additional revenue. So we weight these 20 different indicators as a composite index in terms of the demand side of the regulated uh, microfinance sector. And that's where we come up with the index at the end of the day. Um, last week, we actually began uh, the year looking at, uh, I guess, a pulse check for the economy. It was our first episode, and we're looking at things, you know, on a, on a macro level, both in South Africa and globally. And I'm glad that we are talking to you about this, Dr. Botha, for today, because I think on a micro level, something like this, given the 20 or so different data points that you've just highlighted, gives us uh, some insight into how um, households and consumers are doing either at the moment or according to you know up to the third quarter of 2022. So with that in mind, then what? Um, because you know someone who's reading this, what do you think is important to actually pick out from the results that have come out from Q3? Uh, yes, certainly. And I just um, in, inform the listeners that the Altman Fintechs. Household Financial Resilience Index is based on absolutely quantifiable evidence. It does not take account of subjective issues such as, let's call it the general mood amongst the households. Uh, so you might find that two people, you know, when, when they share a meal or, or a, a cup of tea, they will complain bitterly uh, about the load shedding and about the potholes in the roads. But, you know, when, when they get back to the office or to their businesses, you know, it's gone ho. They, they, they continue. We, we make a plan in this country. So I just want to inform the listeners that uh, uh, myself and the people at Altron and every South African product is intimately aware of uh, the um, escalation of electricity rationing, decaying roads, high fuel prices, high inflation, interest rates. But despite that, despite that, what has happened um, in the third quarter of 2022 is that you, you, we found that employment in the public sector has increased year on year by 13.5% and in the private sector by 5.1%. We've created more than 1 million formal sector jobs in the first nine months of 2022 alone. Um, that, that is fantastic news, but I think the really standout indicator of these 20, as far as I'm concerned, is household disposable income. That's now the total for the country, not per capita, the total for the country. We cannot translate everything into per capita terms. Otherwise, it would arguably be all of these indicators would be marginally negative. But the household disposable income increased by 4.3% in real terms, year on year, the third quarter of last year, to an all-time record high of more than 1.1 trillion rand. That, to me, is, is standout because it's, it's interesting that is an, there's a bit of a contrast between that indicator and the salaries uh, in the private and public sectors, which are both in, still in decline in real terms. But the household disposal income includes non-salary income, including profits, dividends, rent that people receive, uh, and obviously business income. Uh, many of these smaller, smaller businesses are not included in Statistics of Africa's survey data. So I have, and I've, I've always had the suspicion, and many economists would agree with me, is that the GDP data, Compare Stats SA, they try their level best. Let's be honest about that. But it is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, an underrepresentation 
by between 20, 10 and 20%. That's conservative. So if I'm understanding you correctly, Prof, um, what you're saying is the data set that uh, you have access to is perhaps giving you more granular type of detail into the state of household than despite some of the um, headline uh, headline numbers that we might get from Statistics South Africa that on a household level that because um, listening to you talking it's it's a bit counterintuitive because um, I think a big narrative that has been there over the last uh, I'm going to call it two or three years now because of COVID and then getting into the recovery period has been this consumer pressure and from what you're saying um, households actually have more disposable income whereas on the other side you keep hearing about oh the consumer isn't doing well the consumer is under pressure the consumer doesn't have uh, that much money to spend yes well you know it's it's difficult if you were really to uh, try to arrive at a very objective perspective on households in south africa you would have to classify them in terms of the income quantiles and there, they one will probably find that the, the lower income quantiles, uh, they will battle more, obviously, when economic growth is lower. But uh, I can almost guarantee the listeners that these million jobs that were created last year, formal sector jobs, more than a million, that uh, they were mainly in the middle and, and lower income groups. So your your median household in Africa has, has money to spend. If you look at household consumption expenditure in real terms, uh, that's up 3.3% year on year, 3.3% in real terms. You add CPI to that, it, we're talking double digit here. We're talking double digit growth in household consumption expenditure. But your dilemma is that you have so many sets and, and sources and origins of data in this country, and not all the commentators are actually qualified economists with 20, 30 years experience, so they can't actually see through this this mess and then if, if somebody tells you, oh, but they're, uh, in this month, so many percent people paid their municipal accounts late. So what? You know, <laughs> maybe there was a long weekend. Maybe it was holiday season. And then they, they, they create the impression that, that we're all on the verge of bankruptcy. That's absolute nonsense. I mean, these are hard facts. The hard facts are, are that we are, well, we have, to, we have until very recently, we are in an employment creation mode. We have broadened our tax base considerably. And Mr. Gononguana, in a, a couple of weeks from now, is probably going to deliver a very good budget. He's going to sit with, uh, his estimate in October was 80 billion rand revenue overrun. Personally, I think that will be closer to 100 billion rand, despite what happened to mining in the last couple of months. Um, it's always great, you know, having a conversation like this because it sort of challenges um, or some of the popular notions that are out there around what's actually going on in and around the economy. So really great to hear that. But, uh, and funny enough, um, when I was reading through um, the release that came out for the household index for the, for the third quarter, I remember reading through it and I'd actually highlighted, I was looking at it right now, 
now because it, it wasn't making sense to me. Uh, I had actually highlighted the line which said, uh, since the launch of the AFRI, the financial resilience of South African households has increased by 9.8%. And I was like, how is that even possible? Just given um, what's going on with consumer pressure and all of that. But uh, I'm really glad that you've been able to articulate it to us and show the fact that uh, there are a lot of green shoots that are out there um, in terms of what's going on. But maybe taking over to uh, maybe looking at the not-so-positive side around uh, credit extension, what's the concern on this side? Uh, The two biggest concerns, as far as I'm concerned, um, uh, in in this particular quarter, that dragged down the index, prevented it from uh, a more positive showing, is, is the value of unit trust assets. We're talking about a big number, a monster number. More than three trillion rand. That took a heavy knock, five percent, uh, year on year. But that was a global phenomenon because of the equity market weakness, which flowed from the dollar strength, and of course rising interest rates in the United States. And I think many listeners um, appreciate that that was temporary. Uh, that that figure is going to boost the index in the fourth quarter considerably, because all those losses have been uh, have been wiped out. But what worries me personally is the ratio of household income to debt costs, which has declined by 6.3%. And this ties in with the Reserve Bank's um, monetary policy, which does not make any sense whatsoever. Uh, the listeners uh, are welcome to, to Google Joseph Stiglitz, a previous Nobel economics uh, prize winner, one of the best known economists in the world. And just look at these very recent comments on central bank, central banks trying to combat inflation with higher interest rates when, when there is hardly any demand inflation in the economy. Interest rates can only impact on inflation if people are buying, if there's too much spending, if the economy is growing like a rocket. The main reason for global high global inflation in the last two years was the 800% increase. I'm going to repeat that. 800% increase in global shipping freight rates. Fortunately, that has now come down uh, dramatically. And that's the main reason why inflation has peaked in most countries, including uh, probably South Africa. It's not the oil price. It's the cost of getting oil and fuel from Jeddah to Cape Town Harbour and then, then to distribute it further. That was the big problem. And there is no economic theory that will back the Reserve Bank in terms of, okay, if we raise interest rates now, in other words, now you pay, now South African households have to pay more on their credit, more on their bonds. Um, how the hell is that going to bring down the shipping freight rates? What it will do is it will put pressure on households' disposable income. And we're going to see this in the first quarter of next year. If we have this conversation, um, two indices hence from where we are now because the fourth quarter is going to look brilliant because of Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Christmas shopping, Christmas bonuses, etc. I can guarantee you that Altron Fintech Index is going to go to a new record high. But the first quarter of this year is going to be miserable um, inter alia because of the load shedding, obviously. 
of course and uh, i think that's maybe a good place for us to end off it has been a very um you know fascinating discussion particularly um around giving us an insight into that data um you know from uh, dr bota uh, very interesting to see I guess the composition uh, of uh, the economy up to the third quarter uh, the things that were impacting us at that point you know things were looking positive jobs being uh, jobs being created but at the same time he is highlighting the fact that there had been some concern around uh, household credit extension um, you know particularly um, you know when you look at some of the mutual funds um, and all that and uh, prof because you you know you did touch on uh, the first quarter of uh, this year maybe um, you know, we could just uh, zoom out a little bit and just get your thoughts as a, as a closing point around uh, some of the things that you think are going to characterize 2023 in the economy. If government um, can succeed in ensuring that as quickly as possible, this you know 9,000 potential megawatt of uh, renewables, mainly solar, uh, that they actually start with the installation of those projects close to, in close proximity to where they are ESCOM substations with adequate, adequate capacity and transmission lines. Then we could, within, with a bit of luck, six to 12 months, see a downscaling of, of the uh, load shedding stages. That's entirely possible, but then government will have to involve the private sector to the absolute maximum, to the extent that the Department of Energy should only be given uh, spectator status at, at, at what happens and the decisions that have to be made in future. Because the Department of Energy, as, as for the last decade, uh, they've left us, left, left us in a lurch something terribly. And one of the main reasons for that was state capture with Mr. Zuma having deliberately stopped the renewable energy program for six years during state capture to try to secure a nuclear power deal with the Russians. And if it had not been for that, we would not have load shedding in South Africa today. We can fix this problem. It won't happen overnight, but only the private sector will get us out of this mess. So that's been it. We were chatting to economist and economic advisor to the Optimum Investment Group, Dr. Roloff Bota, um, giving us some insight into the latest uh, results from the Altron Fintech Household Resilience Index uh, that is uh, for the third quarter of uh, 2022, um, giving insight into how um, employment had positively impacted that index, uh, though it was dragged down somewhat uh, by household credit extension. Editing all talking about the importance of energy to the economy and how um, solving you know for the crisis of load shedding is likely going to impact a lot of the economic indicators that people will be looking at in uh, 2023 and an encouragement that uh, we need to see great action you know coming through from government as well as the private sector being enabled to come onto the grid when it comes to renewable energy because uh, that's probably uh, a good Good path uh, for the country to actually help itself when it comes to solving the issue of load shedding. So that's been it, Dr. Botha. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Keep well. This is Mudiwa's take.
a fascinating discussion and also showing why we need to be looking at different uh, data sets when it comes to um, evaluating the state of the South African economy because there are a lot of um, different narratives that are out there and one of the most prevalent uh, over the last year has been uh, this one around um, consumer pressure and uh, shrinking consumer pockets and then you have a data set like this uh, that gives you another insight to say that actually um, there is an expansion on a household level in terms of disposable income so it's always best uh, to see to see the economy from you know different views and different data sets as Dr. Botha said there are different sources of data that are being used across the country so you know how you put all of this stuff together and the type of picture that it can paint for a person and how they view the economy you know is very important we'll definitely be keeping an eye um, on the development of this particular index as we've had in the past as well as other indices that we do follow on the platform going forward but uh, to the point that Dr. Botha made it is essential you know for government to fix the load shedding crisis um, in practical ways um, no not only because unfortunately this is one of those crises where um, you can't just pay lip service to something like this because on a daily basis people are seeing the tangible results of the action or inaction uh, that is going on you can have very nice sounding press statements and you can tell people that they shouldn't worry but if electricity is still going out uh, for nine and a half hours a day and that is affecting all manner of um, of life from uh, traffic lights to businesses ability to even stay open then you know that paints uh, a completely different picture so this is one of those things where people are forced to actually act and uh, come to the table we wait to see what actually happens in future and uh, we'll definitely be keeping an eye execution uh, on renewable energy will definitely be an important factor going forward And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcasts on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Mudiwa Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.